What's up, everyone? I'm back for the second episode this week, um, but I didn't want to miss this opportunity to pay special tribute to, number one, the Marine Corps, who is celebrating the 246th year uh, birthday for the Marine Corps, as well as Veterans Day. And, you know, there's many sacrifices that have been made for our freedom that I know myself I often take for granted. But I wanted to take some time to honor those who served our country, uh, who gave up their freedom, so to speak, so that we can have freedom. And especially for those who paid the ultimate sacrifice by giving up their life for freedom. So I have a special guest here on the podcast today, someone who served 30 years in the military and climbed to the top of the ranks of the Marine Corps, um, being named Master Gunnery Sergeant. So he's going to share, you know, some of the sacrifices that he made along the way and share some of the intimate details of being in the Marine Corps and just the true, what a true patriot is. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, If you have a veteran in your life, please recognize them on this special day. And without further ado, we'll get into this episode. Um, Tonight we have on the podcast... Uh, we have Kevin Hare, uh, Uncle Kevin to me, uh, who is a retired Marine. Um, and we're going to talk to him tonight, you know, in honor, of, in honor of Veterans Day about the many years that he served and, you know, the sacrifices that he made for our country. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Nothing. All right. So just tell us about your family, where you grew up. I know you currently reside in Orlando, but let's talk about some of your early life and where you grew up in Baltimore. Oh, I'm uh, originally, um, I grew up in uh, the west west side of Baltimore, which is uh, Franklin Street. And um, uh, growing up in Baltimore uh, itself was, was a challenge. And, uh, but it helped to shape me for my endeavors into the Marine Corps. Yeah, so uh, you enlisted coming out of high school into the Marine Corps? Uh, yes, two years uh, after high school, right. um, I had a part-time job for two years, and then I, uh, my my thoughts was to go. I I knew it was a bigger, uh, bigger and better endeavors outside of Baltimore. So then I enlisted uh, in a week into the Marine Corps. Gotcha. So really, enlisting was kind of to explore bigger opportunities to get out of the city. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. All right. And what was your first um, service duty station? So my first duty station was Republic of the Philippines. I was on uh, security forces, which I was uh, I was uh, personal security forces for Rear Admiral uh, uh, Rear Admiral Khan in uh, in Subic Bay. Okay. Now is that what you did throughout your career in the military? Or? No. Um, one thing about the Marine Corps is that if you uh, if you have, if you display proficiency at your job early on, they will allow you to do cross training to uh, other jobs that might not even be related to the job that you're doing because they see in you that we will get a better investment if we allow you to, uh, if we if we get the most out of you in in various areas. Gotcha. Make you more marketable when you even retire or get out of the military. Okay. So was it always your 
um, focus or your dream to be career military to serve, you know, 20, 30 years, or did that just kind of happen? Um, no, it was not. I had a, originally signed up for this three years. I said, I'm going to do three or four years. We had three year contracts back then. They don't have those anymore. But I originally signed up for three years and I thought I was just going to do my first enlistment and get out. Mm -hmm. But as I would go home and visit my family, I started to compare and started to actually compare and mature and found out that I was doing a lot better, that the military was taking care of me a lot better than it would be if I had gotten out. So I continued to re-enlist um, a dozen times uh, to accumulate these 30 years of, of military service. All right. So during your 30 years, you know, you served in the Gulf War, which was in the 19, early 1990s, right? Late. Yeah. Yeah. Late. Um, it was 1990 to 91. End of 90 to 91. Yes. Okay. So let's speak about some of the sacrifices that you have to make to be a Marine, to serve our country. Um, you know, things that people don't really know about as far as the sacrifices that you have to make family-wise and, you know, your health, your life, things of that nature. Well, one of the sacrifices is that uh, you're going to give up, um, which is a, it's a good thing, you're going to give up the individuality and start to work towards teamwork. That's one. There are going to be long, uh, long nights and days and, and months away from your family. Uh, and that's that just comes that's with the territory right there that comes with the territory so there are sacrifices you're going to give up and they're going to be sometimes sleepless nights where you're standing post or you're on call or you you have something that arise because you might be put in that leadership position and some someone under you might need that help or assistance or guidance so yes there is a it's a big sacrifice yeah, so you mentioned teamwork. So many times in sports, you know, people will refer to the military or refer to war, refer to being a true warrior and things of that nature. Um, and truly it pales in comparison to the sacrifices that you really make, especially in wartime mm -hmm. or the just being away from family and the true call of duty uh, to be a Marine or to serve our country. So what does that mean to you when you hear a true warrior? A true warrior is a... Uh is a person that is prepared. Uh, I'll just give some attributes. They're prepared to give the ultimate sacrifice. And that's one thing that makes the military unique uh, from sports. Sports, we play the game, you, you, you make some sacrifices here and there, but at the end of the game, you got another game. Right. In the military, you can go to war, and at the end of that war, some don't come back. There's no do-overs. There's no recess. So um, it's 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 the real deal. It, it doesn't. It's not a game per se. But they some people usually compare it to a game. Right. Right. But um, I think what they truly mean is being a competitor. Or, yes. You know, it's probably a little oversight yes. in what we're saying, yeah. but yeah. It's, to be a true competitor and to compete and put it all on the line, even though you're not putting your life per se on the line. Yes. All right. What would you say is your, you know, you're a very decorated um, military, very de decorated Marine. 
um, you know, what's your most special honor that you achieved? I think my most special honor is is not what I wear on my chest or the stripes on my that I wore on my arms. It was being able to build relationships and the camaraderie that you build from young men and, and women all over the United States and the sacrifices that you'll make for one another is to me the greatest achievement. And then the ultimate one is to the the gentlemen, the men and women that you take to combat, be able to bring them back and and bring them back, allow them to come back to their home safe and sound. That's that's my biggest achievement that the gentlemen, the men and women that I was entrusted to take care of, they make it back. That's 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 achievement right there. Absolutely. Uh, so what about as a leader in the military, as you grow in rank, like you said, you have sons and daughters of people back home and you know that you're being entrusted with their lives. You just kind of speak about the seriousness of that. Well, you know, uh, it is a very serious because one, we cannot put a price on a human life and it's precious. And although we know the dangers and the rigorous of rigorous um, challenges of being in the military, we we none of us sign up to to lose our life. But but per se, we in a certain way we are. But we hope that we don't have to pay up. But we're prepared to pay up right. if called. So uh, earning the rank of master gunnery sergeant. Kind of speak to that as what does it take to earn that rank? Well, the Marine Corps in general has two E9s. One is a master gunnery sergeant, the other is a sergeant major. They are the top of the enlisted um, rank structure for the Marine Corps. A master gunnery sergeant is a technical expert at his or her MOS, which stands for military occupational skill and it takes a person to be technically and tactfully proficient at their at their duties as well as discharging their duties which is leadership okay and that's something that you earn at the end of your career or at what point in your career did you earn that um i earned the rank of master gunnery sergeant at my 27 uh, 26 year mark in mm -hmm. the Marine Corps. You served for 30 years. And time. I served for 30. Okay. So it's one thing to serve our country and to be in wars and, you know, like you said, to come back home to survive. But life after the military is a different ball game. Let's speak to many of the unseen wounds that the military and the service men have after a war or after combat or even just serving you know for several years in the military yeah great point great question i uh for years we we have not known about the unseen wounds that veterans walk around with we just assume they're angry we just assume 
that they uh, that's how it is. But when veterans go off to fight war, war changes you. Mm-hmm. Fighting any war, anywhere, changes you. Because you're not only trying to survive, but you may have your life taken away from you or you may have to take away someone's life. And that war in itself will change you once you come back. And many veterans struggle to adjust to what we call civilian life or civilian society. And I think I think mental health is now starting to be talked about, but you have to remember there there were veterans long before me who have died or probably have probably committed suicide. And this is the time of the month, the time of the year where many veterans commit suicide during Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays because they're not, they're not getting the help that they should be getting because far too often people just stigmatize them as if it's one size fit all. So we have to do a better job in this country at helping veterans with these unseen wounds to adjust, not medication, but we have to come up with innovative ways and techniques to assist them at all costs. Because ultimately, we all sign on a dotted line to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of both against both enemy foreign and domestic. A lot of people leave that domestic thing out, but we're signed up for that. We sign up for that. And so we got to do a better job at helping veterans to adjust back into society. You know, I have the opportunity of treating veterans, um, but I see the struggle sometimes of going through the system of getting approval for medicine or getting approval for surgery, getting approval for therapy. So many times I'm sure things fall through the cracks and veterans are not able to get care, healthcare um, or whatever their benefits are. How would you assist or how would you advise a veteran who might not be able to get the benefits or struggling to get healthcare or things of that nature? Well, they are, uh, I would suggest to um, definitely there's so much, the answers to a lot of the veterans red tape are, it's because of lack of knowledge. It's not that the civilian doctors or the, even the doctors at the VA doesn't want to treat, treat veterans. I think veterans has to do a better job at finding the resources that are available, but also the VA has to do a better job at explaining the resources that are available. If you, if a veteran is not computer savvy or a veteran has bad eyesight, I'll just take an example that I think we talked about today. And it's just simple as font. The size of the, the writing that you send a veteran. Most veterans, if they're elderly, they can't see under 12 font. So they struggle with trying to they have to find somebody to kind of decipher the code of this information coming out of the VA. And the v- and, and then you have veterans who may not have um, the intellect, so they're going to need help. They are the VSOs. They are 
there are lawyers and attorneys that help out, but the, you know, the attorneys are doing it for pay, which they rightly should get it for pay. But veterans, there has to be more alternatives to helping veterans out. And I don't know the answer to that. And I don't profess to, but I will say that, uh, there has to be the information. We have to get it out to the veterans. Sure, sure. Um, and you mentioned that before, and that really was enlightening when I heard you say before, you know, don't let a veteran spend a holiday alone because that is prime time for suicide. So, you know, I think that's definitely something for the listeners to take away. If you have a family member, if you have a loved one, you know, make sure that those times that they're more prone to injure themselves, you know, they're not alone. Yes, I agree. And what we, what my wife and I used to do every duty station we had, if we, if I had a veteran that's, I mean, if I had a, a Marine that served under me that did not have family members, I would always ask, um, where are you going for Thanksgiving? Where are you going to be spending Christmas? And many times we have invited them over to come spend Christmas with us. Because when a veteran's alone, the the especially if they are suffering and struggling with PTSD, that is prime target for them. They, I mean, all kind of bad things could happen. Absolutely. So during your thirty years, I'm sure there were many high points, many low points during your career. What was probably the highest point of your career? What do you remember? What stands out most? I think the highest point. Uh, to my career would be um, probably achieving the rank of Master Gunnery Sergeant because I honestly did not think I would stay in for 30 years. Um, so I would say that's one of the high points. Um, and two, one of the high points, obviously, always is having a child, you know, my daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That's a high point, I would say, also. Sure, sure. And I guess on the contrast, what's probably the lowest point that you can recall from your career? I think the lowest point is wanting to help somebody and was not able to. Like when I, I for example, when I drive around, I see homeless veterans. And I'm like, we live in the United States mm-hmm. of America, one of the richest countries in the world. And how could this veteran be homeless? This is the same person that that agreed to sign on a dollar line to probably pay the ultimate sacrifice, and they living under a bridge. I just don't, I don't get it at, at all. I, I, I think we have enough money in this country that there should not be a hungry child. There should not be a, a homeless veteran. There's not should be anyone. That does not that that can't have a meal every day, every night, you know, when they want to. I I I don't I don't get it. I I I think that's a that's a low point for me, not being able to help everybody. Sure, you sure. Know? So on final um, on timeout with the sports doctor, this is your final timeout. So. You know, we spoke about the sacrifices. We spoke about putting your life on the line. Uh, we talked about high points, low points. You know, all that you went through during a 30-year career, if you had to sign up tomorrow, would you do it again? Oh, absolutely. Um, 
without a doubt. Because one thing about serving in the armed forces is that the camaraderie and the just the, the camaraderie and the struggles and, and winning as a team together is it's unmatched. Um well our motto is once a Marine, always a Marine. So I I never you never leave the Marine Corps. It it's it it, it transcends through all I mean, for, for your entire time on this earth, it, it, you never leave that. And so that's what makes it, it's worth it. That, and I would do it again. I mean, what wouldn't even hesitate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I figured that would be the, the response, but, you know, I just want to hear you say it. Now, one other thing, I know you're a big reader, so leave us with some great books or books that really touched you about leadership. Uh I'm, it's a it's a book that I read um, called Who Moved My Cheese. That was that was a book that I, that I read. That was one of the first ones a long time ago that I read. Any of books on leadership, um, I uh, actually some of the Tony Robbins books, Les uh, Les Brown, Alex Hopkins. I can't remember any of them that comes to mind, but I am, I am full set on leadership and leadership. You can take that anywhere. So if you're looking to sharpen the, uh, sharpen the iron and be the tip of the spear, and no matter what you do, you cannot do it if you don't have leadership. So you got to hone your skills. And that's one thing I can say my nephew has been doing. He's been picking my brain every time we get together. Not just on this podcast, yeah. but we talk leadership every time we get together. And I see the growth and development in him. So I, I think he'll be the best one to tell you about some leadership books. Sure, sure. Well, you know, like I said, over this last couple of years, I've been on a journey to um, educate myself financially about leadership. Uh, you know, some of the first things that come to mind is um, Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, rich dad, poor dad, cash flow quadrant, learning how money moves, you know, from to, from being an employee or being a small business owner to being a large business owner or an investor, you know, and how the money moves and how certain people pay taxes and certain people are, have all these different things that they can shelter, you know, their money in. So that was one major book uh, that, and also, um, another book that stands out is Start With Why um, by Simon Sinek. And that was a really great book about, you know, people can tell you what they do, but many people can't verbalize why they do it. Yes. You know, and once you really are centered in your why, that's when you can, you know, and that's one thing about Maisha. She's very centered in that why around this dental practice. Yes. And it's not to clean teeth. It's to impact lives. Yes. It's to be able to teach young children that, hey, you can go from anywhere to being whatever you want to be. Yes. You know, so that's another book that jumps out. But yeah, you know, education is important. Reading is important. And just knowing that you can be whatever you want to be. And that's really my, you know, one of my main focuses on this podcast is to be able to show that it doesn't matter where you start, it's where you finish. Yes. And, you know, don't set your sights on the end learn to enjoy the process yes. that you're in because you know if you just look towards the finish once you reach that milestone 
you know, many times you're disappointed because it's not what you thought it would be, but you have to enjoy each day and enjoy just the process of things. And that's where you grow. Yes, I agree. I, uh, one thing I would like to add also that for veterans and for people as a whole, um, I spent many of my years leading people and helping people. And then at the end of my career, when I retired, I forgot about me. Um, don't forget about you. And, and, and the good doctor said, enjoy the process. And that made me think about it. I, I will be honest with you. I, I didn't stop the smell of roses. I didn't, I, I was so focused on the mission and the troop welfare and the welfare of my men and women serving under me that I honestly, I forgot about me. So once again, he gave you some good scoop. Enjoy the process um, because at the end of the journey, when you get to the top of the mountain, I was looking for another mountain to conquer. Mm. To, to conquer. Yeah, yeah, no, that's strong. Well, I, you know, I really enjoy having you here. I'm glad that you were able to share with us, to especially to bring a light to some of the dark areas or to some of the low points and some of the struggles that our veterans are still having so we can try to give people more help so what would you tell somebody who's you know a veteran that might be struggling or might be in a very dark place what would you leave them with i would tell a veteran who is struggling and being in a dark place to please seek help that's a crisis hotline it's uh, the, the hotline number. I don't know it off the top of my head, but there's a crisis hotline. And if you're in risk of being homeless, there's also a crisis hotline, 211. So get some help because there are people out here that are willing and able to help you, but please get help. And we want you, you know, my, my goal now is to be the oldest living veteran. And I know I got a ways to go. But I'm, I'm here to stay. And uh, please get some help. That's what I would tell you. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining me. And it's been a pleasure having you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely.